Week three is officially upon us. RBs are dropping like flies. We've got a slight twist in the classic MFK game. New York City meetup was a blast. I've got some fire takes on which games we're going to target. Let's get to it right now. Welcome back to the DraftKings Football Show, hosted in partnership with our friends at DraftKings. Oof, we've got some fun things to discuss. Biggest news dropped late uh, yesterday afternoon, I guess early evening, was Cam Akers being traded to the Minnesota Vikings. Let's give some first thoughts on that, and then we'll jump in. We've got some more of those RBs, lots of injuries. We can talk about what to expect with those backfields, play a little kind of a start, sit, cut game, and then I'll give some takes on what I see as the main ideas for this week. What are some games I'm targeting? What are some games I'm fading? But starting off with that Cam Akers situation. Oh, all right. Not the greatest for some of our bags. If you had some Cam Akers, you're probably at least happy that he did get traded and has a spot where he might be able to play because it was not looking good with the Kyron Williams situation in L.A., but I want to note, I mean, we know Madison has not looked good. He's got minus 22 rushing yards over expectation. That's ninth worst in the NFL. But what's worth noting is Cam Akers has negative 41 rushing yards over expectation in just one game. That's second worst in the NFL. It's very small sample size, only one game. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's arguments for We know there were off the field issues or something with the team um, between Cam Akers and that team. And usually if you're able to actually produce on the field, like you can let some things go by, or maybe you don't have as many tiffs with, with management when you're doing well in the game, when you're not being concerned about getting benched or sharing time with Kyron Williams. But uh, we knew something happened there and there's definitely potential that Cam Akers just doesn't have it anymore is dust. And uh, we saw that in the first game. My take is that, Hey, this is a team that invested pretty substantially in that new contract with Alexander Madison. They let Dalvin Cook walk. Again, Dalvin Cook might have been dust too. Um, So I still think the primary guy is going to be Alexander Madison, but without a doubt, it's going to be a shorter leash. For Ty Chandler, I think that's now the bigger issue. He's now going to be competing with Akers for the number two spot. If Madison ends up, you know, continues not playing well, has some fumbles, has an injury, it's no longer going to be the Ty Chandler show. Now you can expect either Cam Akers would get the nod ahead of him, or at the least it'd be a split backfield. So the Ty Chandler bags are probably the ones that are hurt the most by this. Um, and uh, I think it is worth noting that, like, hey, if you look at what the actual trade was, the Vikings basically gave up virtually nothing to get Akers. And when you combine what Akers looked like on the field, his off-the-field issues, I don't think this is like the biggest risk for I don't really think this actually impacts Alexander Madison's upside case because if Madison actually does play well, hey, he had two difficult matchups in the first two weeks against you know strong run Ds. So like if Madison does play well, then Cam Akers should not actually be a hindrance at all. But from a floor situation, I do think like as I mentioned that shorter leash. If Madison doesn't play well, Akers could take a bit more of a lead role. Um, so it is what it is. We don't live that Minnesota backfield to begin with, with how bad they looked the first two games. Uh, week three, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Okay, rest and elsewhere in the injury in in, in, uh, in the industry in the, in the league, we've had a ton of injuries. 
Um, so let's go through those injuries and then we can talk through where I see kind of the opportunities and what I think those backfields kind of start shaping out as. So big one was Monday night. Nick Chubb goes down season ending injury. Going to go out. I think he's already had the surgery. He's having the season and surgery too. Jerome Ford passed the eye test, got the coach's kind of uh, testament, the statement that he's the guy going forward. So even though they bring in Kareem Hunt, sign him to a fairly lucrative deal for a one-year kind of running back, I'm still fully expecting this to be Jerome Ford's backfield. Maybe it's going to be similar to kind of the split that we saw with Chubb and Hunt last year. Um, but got to remember, like Hunt did not look great last year, was very inefficient. There's a reason why the team kind of got rid of him. Um, not wanting to sign him. Now it's kind of a, hey, you you know need just the additional depth. You, it's great to bring someone in who already knows that Cleveland system from previous years. Um, so if you you know got Jerome Ford in your team from waivers, if you were drafting him early on in best ball, if you're considering him from like a uh, DFS standpoint, I think what's most noteworthy is that the, the three games ahead, three games and a bye in the middle there as well, are tough games from a defensive run standpoint. You've got Tennessee, who's just been shut down against the run, Baltimore, and then San Francisco. So you may actually even be able to buy Ford low later on in the season if we're talking full, you know, talking redraft standpoint, because whoever did get Jerome Ford, whether they drafted him or whether they got him from with their fab or their, you know, free agents, um, there's going to be some struggles, I think, over the next few games. If he does actually look good in those, then just complete rocket ship. Um, but I am still very bullish on Jerome Ford long term this year past the eye test and just the comments from the coaches, just how much confidence they have in him and just like he is the guy. So feel confident using him going forward. Um, Saquon Barkley also. Uh, so he suffered an ankle sprain. They're specifically calling it an ordinary ankle sprain, which I think that just means that it's not a high ankle sprain. They were initially kind of some gamesmanship saying that, hey, maybe he's going to play on Thursday, but I think that was pretty clearly not going to happen. He's officially now been ruled out on Wednesday. Uh, difficult game Thursday night against San Francisco. So even though Matt Breda will most likely be the lead here, um, it's not the most appealing matchup. And so if we look at kind of week 18 last year when Saquon didn't play, if we look at the preseason this year where Saquon didn't play, Brita looks to be clearly ahead of both Gary Brightwell and then rookie Eric Gray. Um, but, you know, I'm not expecting just that much kind of fantasy goodness in this offense, especially not this Thursday with the tough matchup. Um, but if you need him, I think he can be a kind of a decent flex spot in your Thursday night game. Um, you know, he's still going to get the majority of the workload in my mind. And uh, hopefully, you know, this is a Jekyll and Hyde New York Giants team for six quarters, four against Dallas, two against Arizona. They looked horrible on offense and then finally got it going. Daniel Jones ended up having that huge day last week. So um, we'll see which Jekyll or Hyde version of the Giants we get this week. David Montgomery, he suffered a thigh bruise against Seattle. And so initially they were going to say that they hate this. You know, I think. Dave Montgomery actually said this is going to need a couple weeks. Dan Campbell then says that it's more of a day-to-day -day situation. I'm thinking we can at least expect him to miss this week's game. Maybe the next one, too, we'll see. Giving us a little more confidence that he's going to miss this week as they called up uh, Zonovan Knight. So adding that extra running back, even if we're not expecting Zonovan to do much, just gives us a little more confidence that, like, yeah, Montgomery's probably going to miss. Um the Gibbs drafters are obviously ecstatic that like, hey, this could be his breakout opportunity. To be honest, though, I'm not really expecting this to be Gibbs' backfield to himself. It's pretty clear that they still don't trust him in past, in, in past um, 
and they still don't trust him to block. So that hurts his pass catching abilities. That starts kind of uh, the usage that we saw from the Seattle game after Montgomery went out when Craig Reynolds really had a bit more of a major role rushing the ball. Um, so I think like Gibbs, we know like, hey, from a pass catching when he's not being needed to block, he still is running routes. He's still using that way. Um, but I don't think like he's going to still get, I don't think it's going to bring him into the two minute trail, bring him into those kind of third and long where they need him to kind of pass block situation. Um, and I didn't think like Craig Reynolds has been in that system for Bistam. He'll probably be that kind of early down rusher. Um, what I do think the opportunity is, is that like there is a slightly higher weekly upside in the case of a, a swift like game where due to other injuries or maybe break out. We know that Jimmy Gibbs has the talent. It's just what can happen for his role to actually increase. But overall, I think the expectation is it shouldn't be a very quick, sudden like increase. But there is that weekly upside in case due to an injury, due to kind of you know, he, he's running the ball hard, whatever it is, and they're using him more. Um, maybe we see a little more kind of that upside. Uh, one more running back we'll discuss. So Aaron Jones. Um, got a DNP on Wednesday, obviously missed last week's game. I'm expecting Aaron Jones to miss this week as well. We'll see what practice reports say Thursday, Friday, but that's kind of my current expectation. And so we may see another AJ Dillon game this week and like, you know, around the industry, if you see like everyone is just watching these AJ Dillon runs and it looks like he's just slugging through snow or something, but what is key is he was still used on 68% of the snaps, handled 75% of the rushes, ran around on 56% of Jordan Love's dropbacks. That is great usage for a running back. And so even though he has not looked good from like an efficiency standpoint, that volume is superb. And uh, if we look at the match, things have that bend but don't break offense. Uh, I mean, defense, they're giving up five yards per carry, but they haven't given up a rushing touchdown to either Tennessee or Carolina. Tennessee, it's impressive. Derrick Henry, Carolina, I don't know. That game was massive. if you watched that Monday night. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, Anna A.J. Dillon actually make use of this volume he's getting. Um, yeah, the role is fantastic. Okay. Um, let's move on. So uh, a little fun game that I put out on Twitter, put some calls out there. So uh, everyone's played that kind of Mary F. Kill, and uh, we're going to do a little variation of it. We're going to go start, sit, cut, and we'll go through each position tried to pick out players that actually uh, people are kind of making those difficult decisions about, Hey, what do you want to do with these in your rosters? Um, you know, this works obviously from a redraft standpoint, but I think the takeaways can also be useful from a DFS standpoint, from a rainmakers, from an in-season best ball and all that. So starting off with QB, uh, Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, and Deshaun Watson. And uh, I think these are kind of all in that tier of, um, you know, hey, if you're in a 10, 12 team league, they were kind of the later ones drafted. Maybe even one of these might be on waivers um, or you may have two of these guys and you're trying to decide between them. Uh, but for me, it's uh, this week. Oof, Daniel Jones, you've got against that San Francisco team on Thursday night. It's difficult to make a decision, but I think I'm still benching him here. Um, he has been kind of interception heavy. We do the, the benefit with the San Francisco is that, hey, if San Francisco is going to put up points, that New York Giants will be passing. But I'm always kind of fading the Thursday night games. We see lower scores. And that San Francisco defense is one of the kind of three or four defenses I think that truly matters. So I am 
sitting Daniel Jones this week. I am starting Anthony Richardson. Yes, he's in the concussion protocol, and it is Thursday right now, but my take is that he will come out of the concussion protocol and be ready against that Baltimore team. I think that, hey, we've seen how up, how fast-paced the Colts have been playing this year, so if Anthony Richardson is playing, then I think this is a great opportunity against the Baltimore defense that, um, you know, They've been okay this year, but I think more important for me from a fantasy standpoint is that if Baltimore is able to kind of get it clicking as they started have with Mark Andrews, that this team, that this game could actually turn into like a sneaky shootout. And I want to cut Deshaun Watson. Um, it's just, it, it has not looked good for him. He does not seem like he still has it. Um, if you're watching the actual games and seeing kind of a production standpoint, um, and it's it's just like a situation where I don't know where I'm going to feel comfortable starting Deshaun Watson. This team looks like it's, you know, DNA is still a run first team. Um, they've been very effective on the ground. And when they've needed Deshaun Watson to throw it, um, you know, this just isn't the same Deshaun Watson as the past. He's also not running as much as we were hoping for uh, with those empty backfields that we were seeing in the preseason. So this feels like um, a difficult one, but uh, hey, I think you got to cut Deshaun Watson. <laughs> it's going to feel pretty good to actually do that. Running backs, let's throw out three. We're Calvin Cook, Joshua Kelly, and Elijah Mitchell. For me, I want to start Joshua Kelly. I think, yes, we saw last week did not look that great when the Chargers decided, hey, better from an opponent uh, matchup standpoint to be throwing rather than rushing. But this week, Austin Eckler likely still going to be out, and Vikings have given up the fourth most rushing yards to opponents. We saw them on the night, or was it Thursday night? They got destroyed by Eagles on the ground game. That was the Thursday night where DeAndre Swift just went completely off. And uh, so, even though Josh Kelly disappointed last week for fantasy owners, I think this week is going to be a bounce back against a very soft Vikings D. Start Josh with confidence. Now, sit and cut between Elijah Mitchell and Dalvin Cook. I'm going to sit Elijah Mitchell. And uh, this one, it's difficult because I think people want to cut him. They saw he didn't even get a single snap last week. CMC just getting 100% of the usage. But for me, there's two things here. One is, yes, we drafted Elijah Mitchell because we wanted him to have kind of that standalone, that flex value in games, kind of being the, uh, um, you know, kind of being that spell to uh, it's Christian McCaffrey where he's still got at least getting touches, can take advantage of that efficient San Francisco offense. But we haven't seen that. Now, coach last week came out and said, hey, we need to get, you know, we need to get Elijah Mitchell more involved. We can't just continue this usage for Christian McCaffrey. And in that situation, um, maybe we see a little more for Elijah Mitchell. I'm not going to buy that coach speak. I'm going to pay attention to what I see on the field. But I think what's more important is if Christian McCaffrey were to go down, Elijah Mitchell is probably a top three handcuff in the game right now. Because this is a system team that, yes, Christian McCaffrey is obviously a difference maker and what he's able to do in the passing game. But like Elijah Mitchell would turn into an everyday start, probably a top 12 running back if Christian McCaffrey were to go down. We've also been able, we'd also seen like Elijah Mitchell can be used in the passing game. So he's not a stone zero there as well. So hold on to Elijah, sit him for now and uh, pay attention to see if Christian McCaffrey does get hurt. Or it maybe Elijah Mitchell slowly starts working his way into kind of a more flex spot on that team. And we are cutting Dalvin Cook. I just don't, I can't think of a scenario where I'm going to want to be starting Dalvin Cook. Um, first off, he has looked horrible um, on the Jets. Like just, he's in the, he's in the dust category where I, I think Vikings knew what they had in him, knew what's kind of going on. And it just happens with running backs as you get older. And uh, so Brees is the clear kind of better player. Even if Brees were to get hurt and that backfield, that backfield's like Dalvin's, 
first off, I don't even think he'd have the backfield to himself. I still think they'd kind of use some of those other guys, maybe like a Michael Carter or something. But also, how exciting is this backfield? Like, once Aaron Rodgers went down, Zach Wilson, like, you're not getting many touchdowns. You're not getting those scoring opportunities. You're not getting just kind of an... Uh, you're not even getting just like an efficient offense. Maybe we end up seeing a trade happen or something and they bring in someone like Justin Fields. But uh, yeah, no confidence in Dalvin. I think he's dust. Feel free to cut him. Wide receivers. Let's go with some names like Odell Beckham, Rashid Shahid, and Jaden Reed. For me, they use a couple ones. I really like what I've seen out of a couple of these, but uh, I'm going with the start of Rashid Shahid. You saw on Twitter, Levitan, note, Levitan noted that our Rashid Shahid went from weeks 18, 8 to 18 last season, had 2.49 yards per route run. That was ninth best among all qualifying wide receivers. And then this year, he's got 2.92 yards per route run. Again, ninth best among all qualifying wide receivers. He is proving to be more than just a sprinter, more than just a downfield open, um, you know, deep ball guy. He's played into that role in that Derek Carr system very well. And uh, so he's a guy that I've moved into like, hey, if you've got, you know, as a wide receiver three spot, you want to play him in DFS, I think you can do it competently. And I think he will be kind of one of those. Uh, and like a DFS and Rainmakers, like under-owned, underutilized. Because if you're going to be stacking that offense, you're probably going with Chris Olave. Maybe you're going with the bigger name of Michael Thomas, where Shahid is probably slipping through the cracks. Next guy I'm going with, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed breaks out with two touchdowns last game. And uh, we love, love to see it. We've been on Jaden Reed all offseason as a second rounder. Um, that just the gap between him and Romeo Dobbs was just way too large. But why I'm going with the sit here is uh, he still is not a full-time player. Now, last week, he had 60, ran 67% of the routes, got 39% of the targets, an insane amount. And so once we get to a place where he is a full-time role, even I think finds his way into two wide receiver sets, that's when uh, he can just absolutely go off. But uh, last game, like he left mid-game with cramps, so maybe that had an impact on his kind of total routes run and everything. But I'm also expecting Christian Watson back this week. And with Christian Watson healthy, you've got Romeo. It becomes a bit more of a kind of, uh, um, uh, what do we kind of want to call it, embarrassment of riches where these young wide receivers um, are all kind of deserving of a role. And I think if Christian Watson is healthy, they're going to try to, you know, hey, bring him back, focal, increase that kind of uh, his targets on a route run. Maybe he doesn't play a full-time player, but I'm just sitting on Jaden Reed, waiting another couple games maybe if, if you have to decide between those two. But once he becomes that full-time route runner, uh, start him with absolute excitement. And the last one, Odell Beckham. For me, there's just no path to him really being an alpha in this offense. The offense is very far more spread out than we even expected. I mean, Nelson Aguilar led the team in yards and catches last week. And so with hey, Mark Andrews is the clear one. I think Zay Flowers is emerging as that too. But as I mentioned, like there's lots of 2B, 2C, 2D, et cetera. It's just so spread out. And I'm expecting Bateman to kind of continue to increase his role as he becomes more healthy. So I just don't think there's that much of a role for Odell Beckham in this offense. And so if you've got to make a decision, I'm saying cut Odell. Let's wrap it up with some fun tight ends here. These are going to be all outside. They know right on that border of what are we doing with them. If you have maybe a couple of them on your team, let's go with Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, and Dalton Kincaid. For me, I say, hey, start Hunter Henry. He ran a route on 91% of Mac Jones dropbacks in week two, got 100% of the end zone targets. We heard it through the offseason that he was Mac Jones' favorite target when we're getting near that goal line, and uh, it has proven out to be true. And even in the middle of the field, he's still kind of that uh, getting those first-look reads. 
PPR scoring, he was tight at number one in week one. In week two, he was number two. Uh, you can start him with confidence. Ignore the, uh, hey, preseason um, you know, ADP and kind of concerns about um, just that offense in general. Hunter Henry is a core part, maybe even kind of the primary pass catcher in that offense. How about for the sit? Let's go with Dalton Kincaid. Now, I believe that this breakout is coming. He's really being used as kind of the number three wide receiver, the number three option in that Buffalo offense. And uh, the thing is, this breakout, it may not be gradual. It may not be consistent. Maybe better from a best ball situation, but like the breakout will happen just being so just being a core part of that Bills offense. And uh, so like, you know, he ran fewer routes this week, uh, only ran on 59% for 76% in the first game, but he got increase in targets. He went from 10% to 17% of the targets and his average depth of target is increasing from one and a half in game one to seven in game two. And he also got an end zone target works. You know, we're seeing positive signs here. The peripherals are there. We just, you know, need to see this breakout. So keep him on the team. Don't cut him. And uh, I would just start Hunter Ham with more confidence this week. And the last one, we are cutting Tyler Higby. The thesis here is dead. Um, you know, we were initially thinking that Tyler Higby was just going to be a volume monster in this offense with Cooper Cup out and with no real number two wide receiver. And turns out, not only is there not a number two, there's another new guy in town with Puka and Tutu looking great the way that um, McVay is using him in this offense, getting him out in space. Um, they just don't need Tyler Higby. And so when we were drafting him for volume because no one else was there, that's very clearly not the case. Uh, so sure, Tyler. And the other thing is they've run so many plays in these first two games. There's going to be some regression there. And when guys like Tyler Higby weren't able to profit when you were running these many snaps and this many offensive plays, what's going to happen when we regress to a kind of a more, uh, a more normal number. So Tyler Higby, feel free to cut that thesis burned in flames. All right. Before I move on to kind of looking ahead at this week, uh, just got back last night from a New York City meetup. We talked some best ball. We had a great crowd out there. So just wanted to give a shout out to everyone that joined us last night for that New York City best ball meetup. Had a great time. Um, appreciate everyone joining us. Um, I want to keep these going whenever I go to new cities. We've done some in St. Petersburg, the Tampa area where I live. This is a great one in New York City. Uh, I'm probably going to make this a little more norm when I you know, travel to some cities, whether for uh, enjoyment, for work trying to get one of these going. So uh, great to meet all of you and uh, appreciate, appreciate joining out. Oh yeah, that was, that was great. Fun, fun, fun. Time. Okay. Now let's look ahead, starting off with uh, two games that I'm really going to be targeting this week on the main slate. Um, and then thinking through like how the best way to do that is. So for me, I think first one is Vikings at chargers. This is clearly the sexiest game on the slate. 53 and a half game total Minnesota, are one and a half, one and a half point favorites at home. Uh, there's, you know, all the signs pointing to this being a kind of a, a bit of a shootout. And I think this will probably be the chalkiest game on the slate. So if you're going to play this, you need to find a unique angle. In my mind, I mentioned this earlier, but Minnesota has given up the fourth most rushing yards. And uh, maybe people are scared off of Josh Kelly for what he did last week. For me, I'm not. I'm playing him with confidence. I think on the other side, Chargers have been giving up the most passing yards in the league. Granted, one of those was to Miami, but also to Tennessee. And so I like playing the Minnesota passing side of this, get some Kirk Cousins, bring the Kelly bring back. And uh, if you need to figure out how do we differentiate, obviously, um, if you want, like you can go with the Hawkinson route, spending up a little more. Personally, I, will be, I always want Jefferson in my Kirk Cousins stacks. And I think you can use KJ Osborne as that second wide receiver to do a double stack. 
because while Jordan Addison is the sexier name and we expect over the season him to really become that number two, it's clear right now it still is K.J. Osborne. 96% of the routes run for K.J. Osborne, and uh, not many people really want to click that button. So double stacks, Cousins, Jefferson, Osborne, Josh Kelly as they bring back. That's going to be, I think, a very high scoring, and uh, hopefully you can kind of hit on the right pieces. Now, a little sneakier here. I'm going to go with Houston at Jacksonville. So this one by the Vegas books, like not as exciting. 43 and a half total, Jacksonville nine and a half point favorite. Sometimes when you have that wide of a favorite, you're just kind of expecting like, hey, it's a little more boring of a game. But I think there's actually some sneaky shootout potential here as Houston has been willing to really let CJ Stroud drop back and sling it, especially when they've been behind. So uh, I think the straightforward play, the most popular way to play this will probably be something like just doing ETN and Nico as a single, um, as a mini stack. I like that, but I'm also willing to really go with the tank Dell because we've seen him in the catch-up mode and we expect this to be a catch-up game. You can have kind of defense playing a little off the line, giving a little underneath, and that's where tank Dell can really rack up catches. Um, my favorite kind of sneaky play here is like, hey, you can go CJ Stroud at 5,300, double stack him with Nico at 5,300, Tank Dell at 3,600. That gives you a ton of money to really do whatever you want with the rest of your lineup. I'm definitely going to be playing some of that and hoping for, uh, hey, just some garbage time, some prevent D, and we've seen how much Houston has been slinging it when they've been behind. So I'm expecting CJ Stroud, like he could get 300 plus yards and make, you know, both Nico and Tank value. On the other side, from an avoid standpoint, um, highly recommend if you are ETR subscriber, check out Pat Thorman's um, pace uh, snaps and pace articles each week. Because I'm always looking at that to see like, hey, which of these games are really going to be on the slower side? And so three of the ones that I really want to avoid here, one of them is Atlanta at Detroit. Atlanta's run the fifth fewest plays. We know how much they want to run it. Detroit's a little more average and maybe Detroit's going to pass a bit more with Dave Montgomery hurt. But I think in general, like, it's going to be hard for me wanting to play much of the Atlanta games. And Detroit has been a bit of a popular team recently. So maybe people kind of stick with it and do like a Bijan. Um, but for me, I'm going to avoid this because I think it's going to be a bit too chalky. Um, different plays may have a bit more chalk. And I think the game just could be a bit more lowering than we're expecting. In a similar vein, Carolina at Seattle and Tennessee at Cleveland. Just games where like Carolina just looks so bad and they're just trying to slow it down, decrease the amount of plays in the games. And I think Cleveland without Nick Chubb, like you may see that as well. It's also hard to run against Tennessee. Like that could just be a low scoring game in general. Um, but those are the ones that I am mostly fading. Okay. That was a lot for this one. So, uh, Hey, hopefully people got some value out of it. Best of luck in your games this weekend. We've got a fun Thursday night game tonight. We've got some great, a great slate for this weekend. Um, one last ask. Yeah, I mean, if you have made it all the way to here, that means you probably actually enjoy the podcast. Maybe just a little. I don't know. But I would really appreciate it if you could just take 30 seconds and go uh, leave a five-star review and just leave a kind of re- leave a review in the podcast stores. I enjoy reading them. It helps in the algorithm this get picked up. But uh, hey, everyone there, appreciate all of you for joining and listening to this. And uh, I will be back late Sunday evening, early Monday morning with my rapid recap. Uh, hopefully, we've got a strong week of results to share with you all. Have a good rest of your week and weekend. I'll talk to you all later.